0: God always, you know, you're a little bit nervous and God always has a little sense of humor. And I just want to know, who put the sticker on the back of Cecilia Nichols on her back? (laughs) There's a sticker on your back, Cecilia, and I didn't want to tell you. I figured I'd just tell you from up here. (laughs) I think it was Ryan. Um, One of my students said to me, your husband's singing and you're preaching, isn't that kind of backwards? I said, not if you heard me sing, you'd know it's not backwards. (laughs) My message this morning is called, Climb the Mountain, Chop the Wood. And I think that you'll come to realize why I titled the message that way. Let me start by saying, I believe we live in very, very serious times. I have talked to church leaders and other teachers and other people of our faith. And I believe that a problem that we face right now is that our enemy is not just on the outside. The enemy has crept into the churches. And he is taking people captive to vain philosophy that is based on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And so if you have come this morning to hear a message that makes you feel good, let me tell you that feeling good is a byproduct of truth. And you will feel good as you seek not to feel good, but to be right with Jesus Christ. And as we seek to be right with Jesus Christ as He has called us, happiness, peace, is the byproduct. And so this message this morning in line with what we have been doing here in the past few weeks is the Word of God. The complete, whole counsel of the Word of God. What we need to do is look at the Bible for what it truly says and not what we want it to mean. We're living in serious times, and the best way that we can take our young people and raise them up to be who they should be is to preach to them, teach them, live in front of them the whole counsel of the Word of God. Now, how many of you have ever heard of Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I'm not going to sing the song, because like I said before, that's why my husband sings. We all know about Father Abraham, and we like to claim him as our father. He's the father of faith. I have faith, therefore I am saved. What is saving faith? And what exactly was the faith of Father Abraham? This is essential to know. Because if we believe our faith saves us, we have to understand what our faith truly is. So let's go back for a minute and review Abraham's life, at least the start of it. Abraham and his family, including his father, were called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, what is today modern-day Iraq, and they were called to go to the Canaan land. God promised He was going to give them that land. Do you remember the story? And so they proceed towards the Canaan land, and he and his family stopped for a while in the land of Haran. And after Abraham's father died and he had been there for a few years, God got a hold of Abraham's heart and He said, Abraham... Now I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave the land that you are used to. And I'm going to call you out to a new land. I want you to get up out of Haran and I want you to proceed towards the Canaan land. Leaving everything you know. Taking your little nuclear family with you and all of your riches and I want you to go. And you know how the story goes. Abraham went. And he proceeded towards the Canaan land on the mission that God had given him. Now, God told Abraham, what's going to happen, Abraham, is I am going to bless every nation of the earth through you. Through one man. I'm going to bless every nation of the earth through you. I'm going to make you into a nation that is so big. If you could count the stars in the sky, that's how you would be able to count Abraham's progeny. That's amazing. But the story of Abraham and his faith is so deep. And what I want you to realize this morning is the story of faith is deep. The story of salvation is hard. The way of truth is deep. Salvation costs. See, I believe in the church today we have lost The essence, God forbid, of salvation. And we are preaching in many churches today an easy gospel. And we're dying. And we're watching our young people die. And we're shaking our heads wondering, what's going on? Haven't we entertained them enough? Haven't we sent them to church enough? And haven't we pleased them? And aren't they having enough fun? And aren't we feeling good enough? And isn't God doing great things? And our buildings are looking prettier and bigger. And The way of salvation is hard. And happiness is a byproduct of that way. So let's pick up with Abraham and see what his life was really all about. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. And Abram said... Behold, Lord, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is going to be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And Abram believed the Lord, and God counted it to him for righteousness. Righteousness. Now, God told Abraham he was going to have so many descendants that they could not be counted. Am I right? But Abraham did not have a child. What's wrong with you, God? Don't you understand? I'm going to have to make the heir one of my servants in my house because I don't even have a child. And you're telling me to look up at the sky and believe. That my descendants will be great like the stars in the sky. And yet the Bible says that Abram believed the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness. All Abram did was believe. Now it sounds like I'm preaching that easy gospel. That's all he did. He didn't work For this to happen. He didn't make it happen on his own. The Bible says that he believed the Lord and God did what? He counted it to his account as righteousness. I, Shelley Prindle, cannot save myself. I cannot give myself an ounce of righteousness. I am as filthy as the day is long in my soul without Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, if I believe on the Lord, God will count it to me as righteousness. Amen? How many people in this room are clean because of Jesus Christ? We love to proclaim it. We love to proclaim it. But you know what? Once we are clean because of Jesus Christ, there is a process that begins to happen. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a... New creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A process begins. And I believe this is where many people in the church have dropped the ball. I have believed the Lord. Isn't that all it means? Doesn't God just do everything and I sit down here in my nice little comfortable life and wait? No. If you're truly saved, here are the things that is going to happen. Now, let me tell you first, lest you believe any man in the Bible was perfect, because none was. There is no one righteous, no, not one. Noah wasn't righteous. I mean, Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's how he found his righteousness. Abraham wasn't perfect. Do you know, after God had promised Abraham twice what was going to happen to him, right after this, we find... Abram and his wife, Sarah, thinking, okay, God's made us this promise. We don't have any kids of our own. God said we were going to, but uh, we're a little impatient. So it was the tradition of that day. This happened. I mean, to us it seems, woo, But in that day, what might happen is if a man and wife could not have children, the wife would give her maidservant to her husband, to have sexual relationships so that they could have a child through the servant. And so Sarah offers Hagar, her servant, to Abraham, who has a relationship with Hagar, and has a child that was not meant to be the child of promise. Now how many times do we get impatient for what we believe God is supposed to do in our life and push the buttons on our own? I want you to think of a particular situation in your life right now where you want what you want and you know what you want and you think it's in line with God's will and so you're going to make it happen. Who's the only one that can make something out of nothing? God Almighty. But Abraham failed the Lord here and Sarah did too and they had a son by Hagar and Abraham named Ishmael. And to this day, to this day, Ishmael and the real son of promise, their descendants, murder each other. Fight each other over there in the Middle East. To this day. And I'm going to say something very sobering but so very important when you push buttons on your own that you are not supposed to push, when you do not wait for God to move by His Holy Spirit in your life and you move on your own, the consequences are without number. They ripple out into the lives of so many people so far along, you can't even count the horrible effects that we will have when we walk in humanness and not by God's Holy Spirit. Amen? We'd love to amen to those. This is hard, but this is the truth. And I think some of us need the answer, and we don't have peace, and we're not having victory, and I believe oftentimes it's because we're doing things the wrong way. But did Abraham and Sarah find grace in the eyes of God? Yes. We read in Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 9, and by the way, Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Eleven years later, when he was 86, he and Hagar bore Ishmael, and now he's 99 years old. This is 24 years after the original promise when he left Haran. You ever have to wait a while for God to do something you think He's going to do? You ever have to wait so long you think it's just never going to happen? God, I'm going to die before it happens? Don't you know how old I am? Don't you know how long it's been, God? And yet when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Oh, if you could circle the word Almighty in your Bible. Because you know what? There are some people who are mighty. They have power. They have wealth. They have strength. But there is only one who is Almighty. And God said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. This word perfect here, back in the original languages, doesn't mean He never sins. You know what it means? It means complete. It means whole. Exactly as God designed us to be. And I, think, I believe this is a part that we miss. We want the grace of God... But after the grace of God comes and counts it to us as righteousness, do we want to be perfect? This is what life is all about. God said, I want you to walk before me, Abraham, because I'm the one that's really watching your life. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And then he said, and Sarah, your wife, is going to bear you a son. Despite what you've done, despite the failures, she's going to bear you a son. You're going to call his name Isaac. And I am going to establish an everlasting covenant with that particular son. Now, this is critically important as we move on here that you don't lose this point. God Himself said, I will establish My covenant with Isaac. Abraham, everything I'm going to do for you is going to happen through... Say it. Isaac. Everything I'm going to do for you is going to happen through Isaac. Abraham's whole hope and promise and dream for his life was seemingly bound up in Isaac. Now you have to hold that thought because in Genesis 22.1 this is the weirdest thing. God keeps Abraham hanging for 24 years then He finally gives him a son The son that God said is the whole purpose and reason that the promise will be fulfilled, right? He gives him this one and says, Everything I'm going to do for you Abraham, the whole hope of your life is wrapped up in this boy. And then he says, I'm going to take him. Now I'm going to show you what that means in a second. Genesis 22.1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and Abraham said, Behold, here I am. Ooh, I love those words. Do you think Abraham was excited to tell God, here I am, when God said, I'm going to bless every nation of the earth through you? Man, you're gonna be awesome. You're gonna be the father of faith. People will remember you forever. Every nation on the earth is gonna be blessed through you, Abraham. And I'm sure that Abraham put his hands up in the air and said, Here I am, Lord, do it for me. Here I am. And don't we do that? When I said, How many of you have had righteousness credited your account? We're all like, Yeah, here I am, Lord, give me the righteousness. Now, wait a second. Because not too much later, God came to Abraham. He knocked on his door. Abraham, instead of giving you something right now, I'm going to put you through a trial that's going to all but destroy you. I'm about to pull apart your heart and your life, pull everything from you that could ever come before me. I'm about to put you into the tailspin that you could never even imagine. Can I come? And what's Abraham say? Here I am, Lord. Our family is going through a trial that's absolutely unbelievable right now. And God knew that when I was preparing this message. And I want to tell you something. You better hold your hands up and say, God, here I am, when the blessings come. And when the trial comes, God's teaching you something you don't see it Abraham didn't see his progeny did he he died and didn't even see the promise Hebrews 11 says he had to wait because he was looking forward to his reward he didn't even see the promise but when God said I'm coming Abraham said here I am and so the trial begins and this unbelievable doesn't make sense to the human mind thing began to happen and God said, now, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, I love this part, because if you think God isn't personal and doesn't know about your life, you need to underline these phrases. When, Abraham, when God came to Abraham, he didn't say, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, you know, get up to that mountain sacrifice him. He said, Abraham, I want you to take now your son. And then I can imagine God, and I mean, I know he wasn't there physically, but like leaning over and whispering in his ear and saying, and Abraham, by the way... I know he's your only son. And Abraham, by the way, I'm going to ask you to do this, but I know you love him. Do you understand what God's saying here? When we go through the trial, and I want to tell you something, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, trials only come... Trials only come to the Christian to refine our faith and draw us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ that we might glorify Him more. That's the only reason trials come to the Christian. That He might be lifted up in our lives, that we might be torn away from everything we put before Him. Are you with me? And so when God brings you to that place of trial, do you know what He's saying to you? I know this is going to hurt. I'm aware of you. But God, you don't understand. You don't understand this and this. and No, God's saying, I do. I know he's your only son. I know you love him very much. And I want you, and I like how God says it here, get thee into the land of Moriah. Now go. I want you to go to the land of Moriah. And by the way, Moriah was a 3 days journey from where Abraham was. Now this is really important. 72 hours from where Abraham was. And it was up a mountain. He had to travel about 20 miles per day to get there. And God says, I want you to get down into the land of Moriah and I want you to offer your son there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. Three days' journey, offer him as a burnt offering. Now, you've studied this story since you were little and you know, of course, that Abram had to take a knife because he was going to give his son as an offering. But do you realize... That he was told to give his son as a burnt offering? That not only did he take a knife, but he took fire with him? Do you know a burnt offering in the Old Testament, the only kind we see in the book of Genesis, was an offering where the animal was slain first, the blood was put on the altar, then the entire body of the animal was placed on the wood and burnt to ashes. You know, it's bad enough, God. You're going to have me slay my son. But Abram takes the fire with him because God also says he's a burnt offering. I'm going to slay my son. I'm going to burn his body on wood to ashes. (sighs) The burnt offering was a symbol of complete dedication to God because when the smoke rose up from the body burning, the Bible says God smelled that aroma and it was a sweet savor to him. Why? Because the burnt offering is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have time to go over this, but if you were to read in Genesis, you would find out. This is the kind of offering Noah gave after he got off the ark. And the aroma so appeased God that he said, never again, will I destroy the earth like I just have? But Abram was to give his son as a burnt offering. This sounds familiar to me. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, not your outstanding service, not like the best that you can do. It's just reasonable that you give your entire life away to God, your whole body. You see, we think being Christians just like spiritual things. It's just the state of my heart. As long as my heart's right, like everything's okay, right? No. Like what you do with your body when you come home from work at night or school, where you plant your body and what your eyes physically see and what your body actually does is part of your calling to the Lord. Absolutely. And if you want some more peace and some more joy and some more closeness to God, try giving your body as a sacrifice to the Lord. Try putting your knees on the floor in front of your couch instead of your feet on the floor instead of your couch watching the television. Put your knees on the floor in front of your couch and seek God's face. Use your body as a living sacrifice. Are you with me? We are to offer it up and it is a holy, wonderful thing to do so. But you remember when I told you that every promise it would seem, that every promise, that, that every dream that Abraham had for his life was found in who? Isaac. And he only had one Isaac, and he really loved his Isaac, didn't he? Do you know what? You have one life. You love your life. Your life is your Isaac. Now listen. The story of Abraham and Isaac is definitely a foreshadowing of God Almighty and how he would give his only son for us. That is for sure. But God is also telling us, He's putting it the other way and saying, we are Abraham. He is the father of our faith. And do you know what our faith demands? Our faith demands that the one life that we have, the dreams and the hopes that we have for this one life that we love, it is our Isaac. And God is knocking at your door. I need the whole thing. It's got to be a burnt offering to me. Salvation is so much deeper than we want to believe that it is. So much deeper. The Bible says in 22, verses 3 and 4, Abraham rose up early in the morning. and God told him this. So he just rises up early in the morning. He saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and he saw it afar off. He clave the wood for the burnt offering. I understand that Abram was well over a hundred years here and that he took two young servants with him. So it could be true that the servants clave the wood for him. But whether Abraham did it himself or stood beside those two young men, I want you to go there with me. Are you ready for this? So they get a piece of wood and an axe and all of a sudden either Abraham or his servants begin chopping wood. That would be a process, wouldn't it? They didn't have the fancy schmancy stuff we have today to do that. So he just knows what he's about to do and all of a sudden he hears a chop of the wood, the axe hitting the wood. What is Abraham thinking? I know if that were me, I'm standing there looking at my servants. I'm about, you know, this far away from them and I'm looking at them and I'm hearing the sound and I'm watching the axe hit the wood and it's being chopped and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I'm going to strap my son to that. He's going to burn on that wood. What am I doing? Does God record any hesitation on Abraham's part? You've got to chop the wood. You've got to chop the wood. Remember when Jesus said, don't come to me unless you're going to count the cost? I wish we'd quit preaching a gospel that says, just come to me. Just confess your sins and come to me. You want heaven? Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I wish we'd quit preaching that kind of gospel and we'd look people in the eyes and say, You want to come to Jesus? It's the best thing that will ever happen to you. Get out your axe and start chopping the wood. And realize that what God is calling you to is to burn your life up for Him. still want to come? Because that's the only way salvation really happens. And he clave the wood and he rose up and he went to the place. Now, climb the mountain, chop the wood. Do you realize Abraham traveled for 72 hours? Much of it uphill. Now, wait a second. He didn't have a car. So him and his servants are carrying wood that he knows his son is going to be burned on. And they're walking step by step. And for 72 hours, Abraham, with every step he takes, what do you think he's thinking about? i got to get there, and I've got to give Isaac away. I've got to get there, and I've got to give Isaac away. I've got to give everything. And he keeps marching, and he keeps walking, and he keeps carrying the wood. Does that sound familiar? Carrying the wood? Jesus said, take up your cross. Follow me. What did he mean? He didn't mean stand up somewhere and say, Jesus is my Savior. No, I have a happy life. He meant put Jesus' cross on your back. You live every second of every day, of every month, of every year, not caring about anything but His will. Isn't that amazing? And Abraham did this. And he saw the place. When he got there, he saw the place afar off. Hebrews 12.2, let's bring a little New Testament in this again. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He, he despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you were to say to me, but Shelley, how do I do that? Do you know what I would say to you? and this is not a cliche, I'm going to follow it up, I'm going to explain it. I would say to you, look at Jesus. Look at Him. When He was on the cross, He only cared that we would be saved. And so He pushed aside the temporary pain and scorn and shame He pushed it aside, not in the sense that he didn't experience it, but in the sense that he made it less important than you. when are we going to push aside the busyness, the selfishness, the stuff, the entertainment, the financial goals, the career goals, the stuff, when are we going to push it aside not in the sense that we don't battle problems and difficulties and heartaches but in the sense that we make it less important than Jesus He was looking at you when He was on the cross would we look at Him? do you think that in the infinite God Jesus Christ Himself I can get enough strength to push aside everything else? you bet I can Looking unto Jesus. Now, I'm going to do something here that, please don't take this the wrong way. I write these for me. I call this the passion quiz. And, you know, lots of times when we preach messages, people say, well, how does this spare itself out in real life, where the rubber meets the road? Well, I'll show you how. I'm going to ask all of us including myself some questions and all I want you to do is ponder what your answer might be. Are we pushing everything else aside? Are we climbing the mountain? Are we chopping the wood? Are we making the sacrifice? I don't know. Are we? What's the last thing you talked about with God today? Not yesterday. Not last week. What's the last discussion that you had with God? What was it about? break down yesterday into one half hour increments how many hours were of eternal value now listen students adults Mrs. Prindle's not saying you don't have to wash your car not saying you don't have to make a living am I but I'm telling you something anything material that we have is only ours to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you paint houses for a living, then you paint houses to the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you wash your car, you wash your car to honor Him. But I'm going to tell you something. Make sure every half hour, every 15 minute, every 5 minute increment of your life means something. I do this all the time. People think I'm nuts. Do any of my students think I'm nuts? Look at that unanimous Well, oh, Okay, i remember that monday's all those math tests but i know that i'm crazy in a way that I, I i can't settle i can't turn on the television set and sit down and just watch tv before i do i've got to think okay what 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 needs to be done for god where am i going what goals do i have what commitments do i have made to the lord this is important break your days down what passage of scripture did you commit to memory most recently Don't sit there and tell me that Bible is your life. That that is the most important book in the world to you. If you don't try to put it in your memory. Don't tell me I don't have a good memory. How much power does Jesus have? All power. Mentally highlight yesterday's conversations. How many were directed toward Jesus and things eternal? If you ever catch me in Panera Bread, the chances are you'll catch me with my Bible talking to some friend about the deep things of God. I hope that's how you catch me there. Things eternal. How many people will be in heaven and say directly to you, thank you, God used you to help get me here? Ooh, how many? What's the name of the last person you smiled at and asked, Can I pray with you? Can you more easily call to mind ten of your favorite scriptures or ten of your favorite television shows? Reference included. We kind of want to smile at that one. But if you don't have depth in your relationship with the Lord... It is not God's fault. What is the name of a person you loved as much as yourself sometime yesterday? What are the names of three people who look up to you spiritually? Like a screensaver on a computer, what does your mind by default drift to when not intensely focused? When is the last time you spent cash, wrote a check, or used a credit card to invest in the growth of God's kingdom? And that may or may not mean direct ties and offerings to a church. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of situations and a lot of people. Approximately how many times did the thought of Jesus' return cross your mind in the last 24 hours? My Bible says in Hebrews, that Jesus is coming back to people who are waiting for him. There was only like one person that said, Amen. There's something wrong with me today. Nobody's saying Amen. That's the truth. We're so caught up in this world that we don't even care if he comes back today. We're probably too caught up in this world. When's the last time you were alone and said out loud, Jesus, I love you. Out loud. I mean, you're by yourself, no one's around, and you just love them so much, you just say it to them. These are convicting things, but this has to do with the story of Abraham. We've got to climb the mountain, chop the wood. This is a daily, step-by-step knowledge of the sacrifice that you're making. Now, I love this verse. Now, here's the happy part, and maybe some more of you would like to amen with this part. But that's okay, because I feel God's Holy Spirit is in this room. I feel there's a heavy, heavy, heavy conviction anointing on all of you that God is doing. I praise Him for it. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth is not the gospel is easy. The truth is the way is hard. The truth is, it costs you everything. My students think I'm nuts. They also know I have joy. They know I have passion. That doesn't come from some cheap gospel. That comes from counting the cost every day. And Abraham said unto his young men, I want you to abide here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. This blows my mind. I love this. You think the Old Testament is boring? The resurrection of the body in Genesis chapter 22. How many of you get excited if I quote First uh, Thessalonians four sixteen and 17 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven With the loud command With the voice of the archangel And with the trumpet call of God And the dead in Christ will rise first And after that we who are alive and remain Will be caught up together with them in the Lord And so shall we be with the Lord forever Amen He is coming back And I have told my students, a preacher told me this once and I love it, when he comes back, I want to be near a cemetery. I want to see the very small percentage of people who were saved, because narrow is the way, but I want to see the small percentage of people in that cemetery who were saved. And just let me watch the molecules of their body come back together. Just let me watch God pull it with His own breath back together. And let me watch them rise, and then I'll be like, I'm coming now. I'm coming now. Here I go. And He's going to transform me in the twinkling of an eye. And if I'm still a diabetic on that day, it'll all be over. Right? And though I might have to be separated from people that I love down here, it'll all be over. Do you know Abraham believed in that? Catch what he says here. Now, in the New International Version, of the New American Standard, one of the others, it makes it a little bit more clear here. It says, Abraham said, you guys stay here with the animal, and me and Isaac, we're going to go over there, and we're going to worship. And by the way, what he meant was worship. He didn't say that to them, but he's like, I'm going to go over there and slay my son and burn him for a burnt offering, because that's what God told me to do, and then we will come back to you over there waiting for us. Abraham and Hebrews chapter 11 confirms it, Abraham believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And not only did he believe he could raise him from the dead, he believed he could take the ashes of a burnt body and put them back together, and Isaac could get up and walk back over. Okay, we worship here we are. Do you want to know something? When we get to heaven, this is what's going to happen. We climb the mountain, chop the wood the whole time we're living this life. Climb the mountain chop the wood, give our lives as a sacrifice, and then one day we're gonna say, Okay. Now the real me is coming to God Almighty. The real remade me. Do you want to be able to worship God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Do you know how to do it? Give your life away to Him. Abraham believed that if he took he and Isaac to that mount and did what God said he had to do, though it was the hardest thing in the world to do, he believed that if he did it, Isaac would be resurrected for real worship. I promise you, if you take the hard gospel, if you count the cost this morning, if you die to yourself, If you iron out the plan, if you realize it's going to cost you everything and you do it, God will raise you up for real worship. Amen? He will raise you up for real, real worship. And they came to the place which God had told them of and Abraham built an altar there and he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and he laid him on the altar on the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I'm going to close here in a minute but I want you to see something. In his humanness, Abraham could have believed that the only hope that his life would ever have was in Isaac. Amen? That's what God said, wasn't it? Everything I'm going to do for your Isaac, the whole meaning of your life, is Abraham, the whole meaning of your life is wrapped up in Isaac. Is that correct? That's what he said? Now, Abraham could have believed that that was the truth, but he didn't. He believed that his life, Abraham's life, was wrapped up in the maker of Isaac. Do you catch the difference? If he would have believed that his hopes were in Isaac, he would have never gone and raised the knife. But he believed that God, the maker of Isaac, was what his hope was wrapped up in. Now I'm speaking to somebody. Your hope is not in your health. Your hope is not in your career. Your hope is not in life as you planned it and mapped it out to be. Your hope is in the maker of your body. It's in the maker of your career. It's in the maker of your life as He intended it to be. And what we do is we hold things back from God. We refuse to raise the knife to our own lives because we believe that the hope is in what we have or what we have accomplished or what we have done. But Abraham said, you know what? God told me my whole promise was coming through this boy. But if God tells me to kill and burn this boy, I am dumb enough to believe that God can raise this boy up again and do what He said He was going to do. And only then could Abraham become the father of our faith. So if you're looking at me, and some of you are thinking so deeply, I can see it. It's almost like I can see it. If you're looking at me and thinking, you mean there's, there, there's hope, like my dreams have seemingly been crushed and taken away, but, but there's something that can happen here. God can, He can make me the person of faith He made me to be that can happen. Absolutely. Only when you pick up the knife, You stand over that thing that you deem as what holds your life together. And if it isn't God, slay it. And only then, and only then, Not while he was climbing up the mountain just about to get there. Not after he had laid the wood out and was just about to do it. But only when the knife was lifted and his hand was ready to descend. Only when he proved he meant business. Listen, this this is so important. This is the last point. It's so important. Only when God knew Abraham meant business do we hear those wonderful words again. Abraham, Abraham, how does he respond? Here I am, God. And then and only then does Abraham look over and see the ram caught in the bushes. Now listen. We don't preach an easy gospel here at Christian Fellowship Center. We preach the truth. And there may be some people sitting here and you believed in easy gospel and you wonder why it's not what it was cut out to be. It is only when you hold the knife to everything you think is your hope and dream other than God and are willing to slay it that God will say, I am your provision. You are saved if there is anything in Shelley Prindle that thinks Shelley Prindle can do anything for her own life or save herself I have missed it and only when I'm willing to give it all away does he say look over there there's Jesus Christ he is your provision climb the mountain chop the wood Count the cost. Luke 9.23 And Jesus said to them all, If any man would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, pack the wood on every day, and follow me. Does that verse have new meaning for you now? This is serious stuff. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Jesus, help us this morning. God, help us as we live in serious times, in times of deception, in times when Satan has effectively robbed so many people of the truth. God, help us to know that it is only when we give our lives away that we can find life. Your gospel is so deep and so rich and when we sung that song as a little child, Father Abraham had many sons. Little did we know that the father of our faith was teaching us this lesson and that faith is not a tool that I use to get what I want. Faith is trusting the God who made the promise. Faith is giving life away when it seems we're giving every bit of hope that we have. Faith is believing that God, You, the Maker of us, is who we must trust. Faith is knowing that joy and peace is a byproduct of sacrificing our life to God Almighty. And for those in this sanctuary this morning, mm, to those in this sanctuary this morning who have lost their hope, to those in this sanctuary this morning, Who do not understand the real gospel of Jesus Christ. To those who are saved but do not understand the depth of real faith in God, we come. Holy Spirit, we come. for the truth a man and a woman shall know the truth and the truth will set them free his name is Jesus and he carried a cross to Mount Calvary and after he died he rose from the grave and he ascended to heaven in a glorified body and said if you take up your cross like I took up mine if you fix your eyes on me like I fixed my eyes on you you'll ascend one day and all the answers are waiting for you there Please come to this altar and pray if you need God's Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning, this morning.